Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. When you talk about leadership and excellence, you always think about somebody. No, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about somebody. I'm talking about me. What is? Let's establish what is excellence. Excellence itself is never an accident. Please hear me, young people. It's never an accident. It's always the result of high intent and hard work. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with my co-host, Mike Kelsey. Mike, how are things in D.C.? Man, things in D.C. are things in D.C. It is is the Washington, D.C. area for sure. But uh, I really am excited today. And I know, uh, Chandler, I say this with every episode, uh, but truly, uh, I'm really honored today because this guest that we have is somebody I've learned a lot from, paid a lot of attention to. We're excited to talk with Horst Schultze who is the former president and co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. He's also the founder, chairman, and CEO of the Capella Hotel Group. Uh, he's also an author of his book, Excellent Wins, uh, Excellence Wins, and uh, such, a, such a great book. We'll dive into it. Um, and he shares about the principles he learned throughout the years of leading uh, Ritz-Carlton. Mr. Chote, it's so good to have you on today. Thank you. Nice to be with you guys. Well, really, we really are grateful for your time. We've learned so much from you from afar. So uh, we have a lot to learn. So we're just going to go ahead and hop right in here into the questions because I'm sure we're going to have plenty to discuss as we jump in here. So the first question that we normally ask is, can you walk us through an overview of the different leadership roles that you've been in over the years? And I kind of want to preface this with, in your book, you talk about uh, where you were at an apprenticeship for the hotel industry. And you wrote an essay where you say you, you coined the phrase, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And that basically was the catalyst that led you into, you know, founding the Ritz Carlton and everything else that you, you write about in the book. So can you kind of take us back to, to young Horst who, who's writing that essay and then the different leadership roles that you were in over the years? Yeah, I, 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 very a moment in a time that really was formative for me. And I was very lucky. I, I left home when I was 14 to work in a hotel as a busboy, living in a dorm room in the hotel with other kids. And when I got there and then, and I was of course presented to me as the best hotel in the region where only a very fine ladies and gentlemen go. My parents told me, no, we could never go there. This is only for very fine ladies and gentlemen. Now behave yourself accordingly and so on, so on, so on. <laughs> but when I got there, the maitre d welcomed me. He was the, re- the man that I reported to essentially. And, and the other kids and said, tomorrow, show up here at seven o'clock but don't come to work. Come here to be excellent in what you're doing. Not about, I mean, with 14 years, that goes over your head. I don't know what, what, what is it talking about. Excellence in washing dishes, cleaning floors. That's what we did. Mm. But I learned over the next couple of years what excellence meant from that man because he was a human being of excellence. He defined himself as a gentleman. He defines himself as being a person of class, to be a human being. And when I was in hotel school, which is very typical German, once a week you go to hotel school, when you learn a trade, any trade, the kids from all region come there. After two years, a teacher asked us, what do you think, What do write an essay, three pages, what you now think about your business? And I wrote about the matter D and said, we are not servants while we're in the service business. We are not servants if we define ourselves as people of excellence, meaning we do a good job and so on and so on. And it, it, it hit me that night that I can define myself. Not the world doesn't define us. We're kidding ourselves. That's an excuse. It's not the government. It's not the name. It's ourselves who define ourselves. And I learned that I saw that and it was so clear in this gentleman because every guest thought he was the most important person in the room, even though 
we were the servants and they were the guests. But he, he, by being excellent in everything he did, said, I'm really the finest gentleman here. So, and, and for the first time I realized, wow, I can define myself. It was a huge moment. And he's a man who, whom I had to promise every day to be excellent in what I'm doing. In fact, when I left there, finally, he, I, he made me sit down and said, now I want you to look me in the eye and promise me, never go to work. Mm. Always go to create excellence. Mm. Promise me. Wow. So let me, we're, we're, we're talking to uh, young leaders who are listening in on this. And when you talk about going to work and creating excellence and you had someone who was able to uh, create that environment, that expectation, that value system for yeah. you, what advice would you give a young leader who says, okay, I hear you. And if they haven't read your work yet, by the end of this podcast, they will be persuaded, right? Yeah. They say, I want to show up to create excellence, but I feel like I'm in an environment that doesn't share that same value or I'm under a leader or manager who mm. doesn't share that same value. How do you create excellence in an environment that doesn't seem to really value excellence at that same level? Well, of course, that's all around you. But it, that's a that's a concern I have with, with everybody. When you talk about leadership and excellence, you always think about somebody. No, I'm talking about you. Mm, mm. I'm not talking about somebody. I'm talking mm. about me. What is? Let's establish what is excellence. Excellence itself is never an accident. Please hear me, young people. It's never an accident. It's always the result of high intent and hard work. What is your individual? Never mind the people around you. Forget them. It's you. You're in charge of yourself. You leadership starts with you leading yourself. And mm. and what is your high intent in what you do in your life? Who do you want to be in 10 years from now? What do you want to accomplish today? What do you want to accomplish with your job today? Where is your high intent? You see, high intent for me in Ritz Carlton was when I started Ritz Carlton, we didn't have a hotel, mind you, was the high intent was to create the finest hotel company in the world. Mm. That was the vision. And you must create a vision for yourself, which becomes the purpose, part of the mm. purpose in your life. Now we have a higher purpose that goes further than our life. But within that life, you have the purpose. Now, now what is excellent in a human being? I have to explain that because if we, if we discuss those things. So excellent in itself is never an accident. Always to resolve high intent and hard work. Excellence in you, the human being, or me, or anyone, is doing our very best in the functions that we fulfill in our work. Mm. Doing the very best every, all the time. Not being perfect. We're not perfect. None of us is. But, do remember, mm. but also, as a human being, doing your very best in your relationships. Mm. I mean, in your relationships, remember the, remember the guideline in your relationships, love your neighbor as yourself. That's your guideline. And doing the very best in your relationship every, in every interaction, and if the interaction is just somebody passing you by, doing your very best in relationship. Hmm. Number three, do your very best in your morality. And number four, do your very best spiritually. Hmm. And put those things together. And question yourself and teach yourself in all things. How do you teach yourself? Well, at least once a day, when you go home, when you drive home in the, in the train, in your car, or when you sit at home for a moment and say, could I have done better functionally? Once a day, at least, after an interaction, say, could I have done better relationally? Mm. Question yourself overall, could I do better morally? And then once if I look at the book, the book, and say, could I do better spiritually? Mm. And, and the book, book, you're talking yeah. about the Bible, right? Are you, are you talking about excellence wins? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Mike. That was good. No, I'm talking about the Bible. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Reading the excellence wins helps you. And I'm talking about the Bible. The question is, could I do better spiritually? Think about it. I mean, look. 
if I would, you have young people listening, I would like each look each one in the eye and say, my dear friend, if you do this, question yourself once a day, how could I have to have done better functionally? Mm. And, and you will find a way you can improve. How could I have done better relationally? Once a day, how could I do that? How, how am I doing morally? Question mm. yourself and tweak yourself. And if you keep on doing that, you will become a person of absolute excellence. Mm. I love that. So let me make sure everybody is, is getting, you're talking about, when we talk about pursuing that type of excellence, you said functionally in the functions that we're responsible for in our relationships, uh, in our morality and in our spiritual, uh, in our spiritual uh, uh, lives, in our spiritual spirituality. Is there, you mentioned that, that uh, interaction with the maitre d', that really set a vision for your life in, in, in these four areas. Would you say that was kind of the pivotal moment for you that shaped your life and leadership? Or was yeah. there another moment that you would point yeah. to? Yeah, it, it laid the groundwork. I had mm. other impacts and, and other human beings that impacted. I mean, we, we are all the result of people that impact you and, and we're learning, but that maitre d', created another moment in my life, if I may refer that. And I, after I left that job in this fine hotel, after several years, I, I worked truly, I'm not exaggerating that, in the absolute finest hotels in Europe. And then came to the US. We didn't tend to stay a year or two, work, learn the language better, culture, and so on. Went, uh, worked in the Hilton in San Francisco. Young people, be with me, listen to me, please. I worked there. Every morning, went to work as a room service waiter, starting at six o'clock in the morning. I was young. I went, and at the time, I went out in the evening and sometimes showed up in the morning five minutes late, 10 minutes late, not much. But you could see I was tired. The manager said, do this side work over here, folding napkins over. And I said, why me? Why not somebody else? <laughs> but my objective there was to get promoted wants to get promoted and then go back to Europe. And I knew I should be promoted because I was by far the best waiter there. I knew food, beverage, wines, everything. <laughs> the, the other guys just delivered food. I also knew that the manager was German, so I had a real in there. I would <laughs> think I need a promotion. And sure enough, there, came, there was an opening for, for room service supervisor and I didn't get promoted. Mm. Somebody else got promoted. After overcoming my selfish talk that uh, between us, that management is stupid, not to give me the promotion and so on. After a few months, I overcame my ego pain, my hurt, and admitted the other guy deserved it more. Mm. He never came late to work. He never said, why me? He never looked tired. He was in a good spirit in the morning. He was five minutes early. When the, when the manager asked him to do this side work, he said, I'm happy to. And he got a job. When I came to that realization, I went back to my little furnished room in San Francisco at the time in, in the Tenderloin district. And I talked to the maitre d', who had passed away, mind you. Several years. He didn't show up as a ghost. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> I him though, and I apologized. I went to work to work. Mm. I didn't go to work for excellence. I went to work and I promised him I would never do it again. And from there I managed myself. Mm. See, he gave the leadership for me to do it, but I had to lead myself, but I had to manage my leadership by making sure I do it. I wrote on the mirror where, where I look into every morning to, to shave and so on and said, go to work for excellence. Mm. I made sure I took steps to remind myself I'm not going to work anymore. Mm. Well, what a waste of time to wow. go to work for work. You know, I always said the, the, the chairs on which we're sitting is fulfilling a function. Mm. We are human beings. We have to reach for higher purpose in our life and what we do. And that, that was became so clear to me and I, I didn't allow it to happen again. Mm. Mm. Man, that's, that's so helpful to hear and just even convicting. <laughs> Are we going to work for work? Are we going to work for excellence? And yeah. especially for 
for those who, you know, are believers, it's like, man, yeah. do everything for the glory of God. And, and for us, we have even greater, like you've said, we have even a greater calling than just work to work. And as I hear this and, and, you know, I, I love, I loved your book, Excellence Wins, and you really do hear the, uh, the value of human beings. It's, you're not servants, you are human beings, you're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And you see that your own self-leadership coming out in your organization. And I love how you're like, I, I set out to create the finest hotel in the world. And that was your vision. And, and you, you, you send it into, you know, into your organization. So take us through how you went from self-leadership to founding the Ritz Carlton and making sure that such a large organization, it's not just this one hotel, it's all across the world. How do you make sure those same values and those, that, that excellence is the same across the board? Because I mean, so many, so many people struggle with this. I know Mike's at a multi-site uh, church where it's like, we want to make sure everything's the same across the board, different businesses, franchises, but you set the, you kind of set the bar for this. Take us through how, how you did so. Well, I want to, to really uh, applaud myself more on that, what he just did. We, uh, while I was running the company, we were in five continents. There, was, wow. there were, wasn't a location where we were not number one. Not one. Unreal. We also, in the, after that, I created Capella Hotel Company, which has sold a little bit over a year ago, by the way. So I'm not CEO anymore, I'm, 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 but I founded a company, created it. By, by the way, it was just for the best hotel company in the world. <laughs> it is now and the hotel in Bali was the best hotel in the world. So the, the, the philosophy works. I also have worked with, worked with other companies, totally unrelated, totally unrelated. I consult and so on and with, with companies other than hotel. I don't take hotels. I have done that. They mm. are equally successful. The philosophy works. So first of all, I had to have high intent, find, create the finance in the world. And, but once you, as a leader of an organization now, when as a leader of yourself, you identify those things. As a leader of an organization, you have to question yourself, not simply question, give yourself a fast answer. Agonize with the question, agonize with the answers. Is my vision, in this case, being the, I want to create the finest hotel company in the world. Is that good for all concerned? Mm. Is it good for the investor? Is it good for every employee? Is it good for society? Is it good for the customer? And finally, would God approve of that vision? Once the answer is an unequivocal yes, unequivocally, yes, then you say next, what do I have to do to get there? Then in that moment, do I as a leader cannot compromise it anymore. If I give up on it, if I make compromises, I'm going against everybody, including society, in fact, against the approval of God. I cannot do that. I'm now pinned in the corner. That doesn't mean you're nice all the time. That means sometimes you may be tough because sometimes you, you cannot compromise. And, and with that in mind, be sure though, before, from there on, I didn't hire any more people. I selected people, number one, to join me, not to come to work for me. See, the problem with organizations, most companies, and, and, and it doesn't matter what your company does, you have to put it in your mind that you are different, that you are a human being and go higher. We as companies, we hire people to fulfill certain function. In our case, cook food, make beds or whatever. To me, in a big sense, that's already a little bit immoral. But you shouldn't accept, you should in your mind also not go to take a job for that reason. It should take the job for purpose and to belong. So I didn't offer a job for function. I asked them, join me in the purpose of the organization to become the finest in the world. And here is why my, my motive is to become the finest abroad. And here is how you will benefit from my motives. It gives us a chance to grow. You will grow. 
It will give us honor. You will get honor. It gives us recognition. You will get recognition. And, and so on, so on, so on. And, and, and so you're the, the leader of an organization's purpose have to serve everybody. <clears throat> but then you have to let them know how it serves everybody. Mm. You have to align them to that to that thought and bring them into the organization for that purpose and not just say, say you have to fulfill a purpose. Sure. And in fact, I want you to fulfill that purpose better than anybody else. But that's not why you come here. You come here to accomplish this vision. This purpose. And look, guys, uh, Aristotle wrote already that people to be fulfilled in life need purpose and belonging. So why wouldn't you offer that to your people, purpose and belonging? And that, that's what you have to offer as an organization. But if the organization doesn't vocalize that, then put it in your mind. I'm going to join this company to be part of this company, to belong, to, be, to understand the objective. If I would interview today and say, wait a minute, company, what is your objective? Where do you want to be in five years? Mm. Maybe I don't want to be there. Then I won't join you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you, as the as the as the young leader stepping in, you're saying even if they don't have that kind of clarity, you ask that question or create that personal clarity for yourself. For him, within yourself, exactly, yeah. and, and Mike, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and so do not wait for the world. And everybody seems to be waiting now for somebody in society to give you and do something for you. <laughs> What, what is this? You are responsible. Mm. You, and, and you will do the best job for yourself. One of the things you mentioned is just simply the language. You said, I don't, we don't hire, we select. That's and, right. and you, and you, you even discuss language in your book a lot. And yeah, hearing you say that, how does the language that you use in a company affect the culture and help you also raise the bar of excellence? Great question, Chandler. Great, great, exactly. You, you, you obviously got it, what I'm trying to say there. I made sure, look at, if you have many countries, look at you in Osaka and Shanghai and Berlin and Philadelphia, and so, that's where we were. Now I have to make sure what I want to accomplish that if you walk into a hotel of ours, even though it's totally differently designed, totally different city in the world, you could feel a minute, this is a Ritz Carlton. Mm. So, and that is accomplished through the culture within the organization. That's not by rules and regulation. And of course, certain words that you use, that, that were, were the rule, if you will. You don't say hi. You say, welcome, good afternoon. Because if I say hi, Many of you serve a high-end customer. If I say hi, I'm saying we're equal. We are buddies. You, you, I'm equal with you. You're equal with me. And hi. If I'm going to say to you, good morning, sir. How are you today? Welcome. I'm saying I respect you. But I'm saying at the same time, I'm professional. You can respect me too. See, I put myself on your level by respecting you. By lifting you up, I'm lifting myself up. So those kind of language, we taught them to do that within, within, within nine feet. Look them in the eyes, no matter what, and greet them. Everywhere. We had the same sense, smell in each elevator. But here's, here's the big thing. Every day there was a message discussed in every hotel, the same message around the world. The same message. So the narrative in each hotel was the same. Mm. So you become culture. So, and we gave a news flash, the same in every hotel, every day. We just signed a new new project in, in, in Indonesia. And that will be opportunity for everybody, whoever wants to go to Indonesia, let your human resource people know that same discussion was taking place in every hotel. So you have the same culture around the world. Mm-hmm. Man, this is, this is what, and this is what you talk about in the book. You talk about these details because what you're talking about now is the practical application of that high intention. That's right. So you yeah, just said right. within nine feet. Great. <laughs> yeah, that, that level of specificity in the yeah. training is not just, oh, excellence, but it's within nine feet of that person. 
we want you to greet them. Don't just say hi. And I'm assuming if hi wasn't appropriate, then what's up probably wasn't appropriate. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very funny because I was teaching in one of our earlier hotels and then to, to greet right and, and don't say hi, don't say okay. Say, I'm, it's my pleasure and all those mm-hmm. words. So I checked in a, a dry run. We had a dry run in, <laughs> it happens to be Naples, Florida. But mm-hmm. on fifth hotel we opened up and I, I was trying to run work with the, those beautiful young ladies that worked behind the counter. They had, they had pearls and a pink jacket and white and they looked elegant and first class and like fine ladies. And we tested in and I checked in as if I was a guest. We were trying. And, um, and they said, welcome, sir. Beautiful. Everything was wonderful. And what can I have that? So certainly my pleasure. Oh, Min. I said, wow, any guest that checks in with this feeling, with this attitude, with this smile will feel good. And then I said, oh, well, but wait one minute. My friend is showing up in about an hour. Would you make sure you give him a room on my on the same floor? And she said, okie dokie. <laughs> We're doing so good. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, you, you mentioned this phrase, uh, it's my pleasure. And I think kind of behind the scenes story, uh, I, I think I read, I think this is in your book. I can't remember if it's in your book or an article, but there's so many, if, if you frequent Chick-fil-A, you hear the phrase, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And that actually came from a consulting job that you were part of. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Well, it, it, it's kind of another great story. You know, it is a learning story too. I told them you have to learn your words. You have to look at what, because you, you have to learn whatever you do, guys, wherever you are, it doesn't matter what business relationship is a larger driver of customer loyalty invention. The relationship is than the product itself, by the way. There are many studies made on that. So in this case, uh, 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 then Kathy, who is a, who is a friend who is, is, was at the time kind of running the company and together with, for his father, uh, uh, we were running a race together and after the race said, hey, hey horse, uh, by the way, have you been in Chick-fil-A? Mind you, that's many years ago. They didn't have, they went everywhere. And I said, yeah, and he said, so what did you think? I said, I think you're the best of a lousy lot, but you're not, you're not very good. <laughs> Everybody needs friends like you to set them in their yeah, place. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. And, and so we, we, uh, I started consulting with them and I was talking with the, the management group, the top management group about the language, what language to use. Don't say that, don't say that. And they said, don't say, okay. And now, now we in Ritz Carlton say my pleasure. And, as, and I told them, don't use that. It's too fancy for, for Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Let's find another word. And everybody agreed with me. Trude Cardi, the founder, who was close to 80, that was sitting in the background. And we kept on saying, and everybody said, yeah, what should we use? We should say, yeah, and I'm happy to, but they don't. And all of a sudden, he said, excuse me, I like my pleasure. <laughs> I said, Mr. Cuddy, I know, but but it, it's it's wrong for your market. I like it. That was the end of that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you're the, when you're the you founder, have, you get it. You have Horst Schultz <laughs> to thank for your my pleasure when you get that number two with Polynesian sauce. <laughs> Uh, it makes a difference. That language really makes, when I go to McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever, and they just say, thank you. It, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't hit the mark. All of you, and I'm, I'm talking about your, your listeners or your participants here. All of you remember in any business it's the same. It's relationship. For example, let's say you, you're in your workplace and you're three, four guys together. So let's go for lunch. Where do you go? I can, you think you go where the food was good. That's not true. Mm. You go where you felt good. Mm. That includes the food or the product, but it's not on the product. It's more the relationship, how you were treated, how you were respected, how the air was, how the cleaning was, was all that I discussed with them all the time. And saying, let's forget that you are, it's not a piece of chicken. It's a good piece of chicken and it has to continue to be good, but let's be sure the rest of it makes you want to come back. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
And that, that's so true. And I see that, I know as a pastor, and I know we have some pastors who are listening, I think that's so true even in churches because oh, is. this is why people will say, and we see this in, in, in younger generation, you can have a, the biggest church with the biggest budget and lights and all kind of stuff. But if when I visit your church, I don't feel welcomed, I don't feel loved, right. uh, that I don't want to come back. Even if the quote unquote show seemed great, uh, if I didn't feel love, which yeah. like you said, is, is the essence of our relationship to other people to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I'll pick a church that's smaller, that doesn't have a, a band that's as good. Not that excellence in those areas isn't important, but if I walk in and I feel welcomed and greeted and yeah. like you actually care, you feel, you feel connected, you feel part. Yeah. part. It, this is not different at work though. You have to pay, you, you have to give people a place where they feel part. Mm. You know, when, you, when you think about it, everybody asks, what's the difference between management and leadership? Well, if you pretend and look at your left, you see a lot of people, those are your potential customers and customers. On the right, there are also a lot of people, those are your employees. If you run a good company, you know what those customers expect from your product. And then you make sure your employees learn that and you as management create processes, uh, systems, measurements, controls to make sure this is delivered. Leadership though, creates an environment in which the employees want to do it. And, mm. and they want to do it if they feel part of it. If they know if I do it, it takes me to a purpose and I'm part of that. And that is important, but, but you cannot, if it doesn't exist in your business, in your company and you're working for somebody, you cannot now uh, uh, capitulize and says again, you have to mobilize yourself to nevertheless mobilize yourself and lead yourself toward excellence. Don't let them define who you are. You make a decision nevertheless, and you know, your destiny depends on the decisions that you make. Do you want your destiny to be decided by them or by society or by the president or by the mayor? This is ridiculous. You decided, and you make the decisions how to grow with it. You nevertheless make the decisions to, to be better every day in a relationship, to be better in your function, stand out, show them that you're the best. Mm -hmm. Those are the decisions that you make. That's your leadership. It's not them, them. Everybody's looking at pointing to them later. It's absolutely unbelievable. Aren't you, aren't you, aren't you, why do you turn over to them? Hmm. Well, hey, before we get to the next question, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsor. No matter how many people you have on staff at your church, there's only so much you can accomplish in a day, right? Your church exists to serve your community. So the mission of your church and its staff is to reach as many people as you can. That's why productivity is essential for churches, as most of your church's success lies in its ability to lean into and leverage resources for optimum performance. And thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay is an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, and they have successfully matched thousands of organizations with part-time virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media strategists. That's why they're offering our listeners a free download of their resource, Church Leaders, Essential Strategies to Unleash Productivity. Let Belay help your church live its mission in your community by helping you juggle less and accomplish more. Just go to Belay, that's B-E-L-A-Y, solutions.com slash Lifeway for your free download. Well, Horst, uh, you know, hearing about, you know, your leadership and looking at Ritz Carlton and, and what you have been able to found and build, there's, it's, it's hard to think that there were mistakes along the way. It looks like everything succeeded, but I'm sure there were some. So what would you say was the biggest mistake getting started as, as a leader? And what did that teach you about leadership? Well, you know, mind you, it, that's a that's a it, that's a journey. It's an evolution. It, it's a, it, you know, uh, I was lucky, as I said, I had some exceptional people that inputted 
into me and what I want to think. But nevertheless, in the evolution of it as a young manager, the moment we become manager, all of a sudden you think in, you're in charge. And now I'm in control. That's more important and to, to, to play that role of being in control rather than aligning people, aligning people to what the objective you're now telling people. And it's much better and in, in the, the, the telling management, we have to understand where that comes from. It comes from what's called Taylorism. It's very important to understand that as you went along. And people like myself, and I have taught others as a young manager, Taylorism. That means Taylor was the one that taught mass production in, in, during the Industrial Revolution. And what he taught literally was, look, they do, we think. Mm. Let them just tie four, four screws. They don't have to think about anything we think, mm. which is nearly uh, totally immoral, of course. With other words, they have no mind and so on. That's how he managed things. And that's what he taught. Yeah. One of the greatest scholars that learned from him was Ford, number one, with his mass production. He said, give me, give me people with four hands and not with brain. <laughs> the immorality is unbelievable. Now, we learn from them. Uh, schools taught what they did. And we still have a foot in there. And I had, that's what I had. And I had to learn how to pull that foot out of there and say, gee, you're doing the job over there. How could we do it better? Because come on, the room service waiter knows better how to do room service than I do in my office. Mm -hmm. So it's ludicrous for me to do that. Instead of mobilizing and consequently respecting and also respecting the decision making of every human being there, mm -hmm. I'm saying, I do, if I do that, Taylorism is, I don't respect you. In fact, I don't want you to make any decision. I make it all for you. Mm. And mm. that is what I had to really learn. And, and I, I, I did, I learned, even though I worked for the, for the best, but I still was a little bit, oh, now I'm a manager, now I'm in charge. Now I can tell you all what to do. And I'm the one, and, and if somebody came and wanted to do, he said, there's a problem here and said, here's what you do moving, and that's a serious issue with managers, very serious, moving from problem to solution, mm -hmm. instead of moving from problem to analysis, to test to solution, and using the people connected to the process to do that. Mm -hmm. now, this was the biggest learning experience for me, and, and, and ego-wise, and as a young Guy, oh, I'm funny, I'm a manager. And, and, and you always think when I have the next manager job, the next level, it's easier and it become, becomes more difficult. That's really <laughs> difficult. And so, so these mistakes to, to learn from it and you learn from it every day. You learn uh, major setbacks. Uh, uh, people look and you said, you must be kidding and walking out and the best man ever and say, why did I just lose him? And then see them somewhere else succeeding yeah. yeah, it's a tough learning experiences, but I had, I had plenty of mistakes. <laughs> well, you, you, you were able to learn some lessons along the way. And uh, was there any book or resource that you wish someone had put in your hand earlier? Because I know you're an avid reader yeah. um, and you're, yeah. you're a constant learner. Is there a resource or a book that you wish somebody had put in your hand earlier in your career? Well, I took to once I read uh, Peter Trucker books about organization and, and culture and so on, all of a sudden that opened my eyes. Once I read Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits, and Stephen became a good friend, by the way, uh, Seven Habits that really opened, there's a few things in there that really opened my, my eye. For instance, the simplicity of of what what Steve, Stephen, those two guys were the best organizational thinker in the last century, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, 
When you, I'm talking when you question, of course, I, 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 in between, I always read also the word, by the way, <laughs> and, and, and you better do that. When Stephen, for instance, this, if you think this very little thing, which we all do, every company makes the same mistake, work on the, on the urgent things rather than the important things. We all work on the, on the, on the urgent things. So the fire that is going out here and then we feel good. We just put out a fire. Maybe we just did this today uh, because there was, this has to be done. There's something will happen and I took care of it. You know, it uh, what didn't make, didn't make the company any better. Did it make you better? Mm. You are better if you step back and say, how could I have done it better? Mm. Uh, that is important. The urgent thing has to be done. You cannot, you had to kind of let the fire burn around you. But after you finish, you should say, how to make sure fire never ever happens again. That is important. Yeah. Let me, I know we got to get to the quick hitter questions, but just one, one question for you, because uh, obviously you're a man of faith and uh, you talked about uh, making sure you read the word. And at the same time, man, you've been not just in your, the industry that you've you know, became famous for, but you've consulted uh, with so many different industries. What would you say uh, makes a Christian vision of excellence distinct maybe from some of the models of excellence that you've seen in all your years of experience? Well, I, 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 I would hope and what I usually see, I, I happen to work with two very very outstanding companies that are, I mean, I mean, outstanding, they're growing dramatically. Their successes are tremendous. So two of them are happen to be Christian, uh, with Christian CEOs, strong Christian believers and so on. And it is, it is really, they truly, what I preach constantly and have said before, truly before they make, when they make decisions, they question themselves, is this good for everyone? Mm. And a Christian organization does that. And I can clearly see that is not true for the normal organization. Clearly see that. Mm. But I can clearly see two groups that I work with, and it is just beautiful to see that everybody said, so let's discuss if we really serve do we really serve society with this? Do we really serve our employees? Mm. Do we really serve the customer? It is driven, of course, and, and hopefully that's a big part of our decision-making. And as I said before, we have to go, go back to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. That's a, 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 a demand that's, that, that scared me when I first really thought about it in an adult sense. Uh, it scared me because I cannot love my neighbor as myself, but I can try. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's a great reminder. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here. I'm sure we could ask questions for days, but we're going to move, move on now. And these are just short one minute answers and we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, go to bed, all that good stuff? Uh, well, my, my, my wife gets up. 4.30 or so and goes into the world and works out. Mm. I go out, my routine is to say friendly good morning to her. <laughs> <laughs> and, and go into the world for, uh, for a little while, uh, read the newspapers, have breakfast, read newspapers, go to work, go to work. And uh, look at my messages, etc., etc. Go home, uh, go for a workout, workout with my wife, we would go and work out, we go for tough walks or whatever. A lot together, a lot of time together if you can. And work out, read, play with the kids, grandkids and so on. Simple, regular life. Uh, but but a lot, uh, you have to go to two, two routines and then twice a week I have Bible class. This morning at seven o'clock, Bible class. Uh, Friday mornings, Bible class. So, uh, and, and the rest of, and the other days going to work. Sundays is church and the rest of the day is going to the world. Mm. Uh, and so um, make it a routine in the morning, all of them. The, otherwise, otherwise you miss it out. If you don't make a routine, I, I realize that. So, so I make sure that it's done in the morning. 
my, my Bible classes are early at seven o'clock. My bird is at before seven uh, and, and, and church on Sundays. So regular, regular stuff, that's, that's us. Uh, we, we are, mind you, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm retired, so, so I sometimes say in my office at one o'clock in the afternoon, it's enough today for home workout. Now I can do it now. Mind you, I'm 82, you know, I mean, uh, so, so. So you really live in that uh, da ideal daily routine. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you make the I, ideal it's now. my routine the way I want it, you know, <laughs> but, I'm, but I put routine in it. If you don't put a routine in certain, certain things, you just don't do it. You have to put that. That's again, managing yourself, you know, you know. Hmm. Let me ask you this: uh, What is your favorite personality test? I, I I did a couple, but I I have none that is my favorite. Nothing. But we I have a favorite way of selecting employees, hmm. uh, and that was rather than doing all the things that being done in selection with IQ things and all that stuff. No talent because. The guy that didn't even go to school has certain talents. If I can identify that talent and then help them to be successful in a job where they can apply the talent, that's how I want to select. And that's what we did. So we identified, first of all, for each job category that we have, and we have about 30 job categories, what talent fits into that job category? So we didn't look at education. We didn't look at it and we said, do they have the talent? The rest we can help them to accomplish. Hmm. That's awesome. What is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Oh, I, I don't, I, well, uh, now I'm going to be, have to be negative. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm very outspoken. I, I have to, I feel, I know that if I'm very nice to you, it's not because because of you it's because I want you to think highly of me. Mm. That's why I'm doing it. This is selfish, all selfish stuff. So I rather speak out to you. You may not like it because in, in, I'm, I'm talking about work in, in work situation and person, because the, the greatest honor we have as leaders or as managers, the greatest honor we have is we can actually impact the life for, of others positively. I'm not going to, to do that by, by just being a nice guy. Of course, when, of course, I have to be honorable and everything with them, but also by being by being honest with them. Mm. And, and, and so, I'm so I'm I'm no. If you talk to the old, my goodness, there's 30 hotel companies managed by people who used to work for me now, managed by people, mm. plus the thousands of hotels, literally. If you go back, they all say, "Well, it was it was he it was too demanding." He was sometimes too tough, but he was always fair. Mm. Nobody will say he wasn't fair. So I, I believe that's very important that we stand sincere. I have to come to you and talk to you and say, hey, buddy, you have to improve here. Mm. This was not good. And here's why. Mm. Here's why. Always tell him why. Yeah. I think that's that's so huge. I can even say in my own leadership, I, I like being liked. And I think what you just said is so key. I, as a leader, have an opportunity and responsibility to help people develop and help them grow. And yeah. it's loving to tell people the truth. Oh yeah, sure, to, that's it. And to call that's them it. toward excellence. So I, I, I love that. Um, yeah. What's your favorite app on your phone? Oh, <laughs> foot mob, soccer. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I love it. Who's your, who's your club? Munich and Dortmund. <clears throat> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is, what has been the best book that you've read in the past six months? Oh, uh, oh what I, I, read, I read a number of books. I, I, I forgot what was the name. There was a, a uh, there's, 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 a, there's a, a woman wrote it like I mean they're on spiritual how to how to have a closer spiritual relationship. Mm. One of the best books. I mean, you read those things and say, I never help you. That actually helped me. Mm. That's why this is in the moment my best book in this moment because it actually took me to the next level listening to the spirit in, in you. I, I, I never quite got it, but that, that's so simple. I wish I would not. Have, 
I, I wish I would know it. And I'm constantly writing some books. I am reading forever the same books. Mm. Mm. I, uh, uh, Aristotle, I keep on studying Aristotle. I keep on studying Kant, Nietzsche, and so on. I keep on studying these people. I'm, a, I'm fascinated by those people, not only by what is, they said, but mind you, they all said things that nobody was thinking at the time. Mm. And wow. And, and, and look what happens to our society. Everybody's following. I don't think nobody, anybody's thinking anymore. Well, you, you uh, now, over the years, you've been able, I think, through your entrepreneurship, through your leadership, to help create opportunity for people to live out exactly what you've been talking about. And that, in many yeah. ways, that's what your life's work is about, is, is yeah. creating that opportunity for people to pursue that excellence, to live out their, their identity. For the person that's listening, uh, who is starting in a leadership position for the first time, is there any one sentence advice you would give them? They're just starting fresh. They have the man himself here on a podcast to give advice. What, what one sentence advice would you give? Nothing new, same thing. Where do you want to bring your department, your, hotel, your, your, your business? What do you want it to be 10 years from now? Mm. Sit down, see it, make sure it's beautiful. And then decide what will be the steps that I have to undertake and have to process and have to manage. Did that to manage? That thought of the future is leadership. Mm. That how the steps that get you there is management through leadership of other people who help you to, to do it. Understand that, understand, make up your mind now where you want to go, make up your mind. You can only do it in, in I mean, if you respect the mind and the, and the work of all the people that you bring in, that you don't, that you don't let it influence you. If some of them are lousy and go against you and, and steal money from you, that, that, that kind of management, that is incidence because that's the world. That means you still have to love everybody else that is there and help them to succeed. And know from today on, know that in a new role as a leader, you have the honor of impacting the life of people positively. What an honor. Hmm. Well, Horace, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And for you listening, if you want to check out more from him, you can learn more at horseshulsey.com. You can also pick up his book that we've talked about a whole lot on this podcast, Excellence Wins, wherever books are sold. And you can find additional leadership resources at needtolead.com. Thanks for joining us today, Horst. And listeners, we'll see you next time. Chandler, Mike, God bless you. All the best to you. God bless you. Thank you so much. This was so rich. Thanks.